0: we Welcome to the second episode of Par71 with Matt Lasser. I am Matt Lasser, your host. Obviously, it is in the title. Um, we got a jam-packed episode for you guys today. Uh, we got Tiger releasing more of when he's what he's playing, uh, Phil a little bit in there, uh, but the same thing. We got obviously Jordan Spieth big one with the RBC Heritage yesterday, and previewing the Zerk classic. And lastly, I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of college golf in there because you know what? We don't. No one really talks about it that much. We only see it come on once a year, really. And it's a cool, different thing to talk about that you don't really see on most podcasts. And but again, this is Par 71 with Matt. Was presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. And before we get into our jam-packed episode, like I just said, I have a few housekeeping things I want to go over. Uh, Just kind of announcements, I guess. So. Like I said last time, I want to make this very fan engaged. I want you guys to DM me questions. I want to be able to answer them on the podcast and do like, we will say two to three is my main goal, but obviously if it blows up, we can do five. We could even do at one point a whole episode over it, Uh, but obviously you guys need to DM me questions before, and I realized last week when I said that I didn't give you a place to actually DM me at. Uh, That is my fault. That is my bad, but... I have made an Instagram account for the podcast at Par 71 podcast on Instagram. Um, follow it. I'm going to put a lot of more graphics and stuff on there to promote everything. So there'll probably be some content up there before this actually comes out. Uh, cause I've liked to been, if you guys listen to other tunnel vision podcasts, uh, the baseball one that we have, they've done a, he's done a really good job promoting himself on his Instagram and making his own, uh, graphics and, videos and stuff and i'm i want to kind of try to do that i really like it and i want to do try to do it myself so i'm going to try pumping out as much content as i can for you guys uh that is related to golf uh yeah so go follow the the instagram at par 71 podcast um and dm me questions again i want to i want eventually the end part of this podcast every time to be your questions and maybe not necessarily the end but we'll figure that out when we get there it I just want you guys to ask questions. I want to be able to answer them. I want some good fan engagement on this podcast. I don't want it just to be me talking about golf and like just headlines. Like let's get some interesting stuff on here and let's make it different. So send me questions and I will for sure answer them. Um, Secondly is like my studio to go off of that. If you're listening on Spotify and you're pulling into your garage or something, you're into your drive. uh, I only say that because I feel like everyone listens to podcasts for the most part when they're in the car. I mean, I know that's when I listen to them. I don't really like to sit down on my couch and listen to a podcast. I mean, I don't I don't know how you guys are. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. Gladly you still listen. Um, I, however you listen to podcasts. But I feel like most people listen to them in the car. I don't know. That's what I think. But um, if you're nearing the end of your drive and you're in the middle of it, uh, head over to YouTube. This is available as a video as well. You can see my facial reaction uh, rather than just the audio. Um on YouTube at the tunnel vision sports YouTube channel. So please go check that out if you get a chance. Uh, but with that being said, like my studio, it's not really a studio. It's my bedroom, uh, as you can see, probably. And I, when I go home for the summer to Dallas, I have a whole setup idea that I'm going to have some place uh, where I only record this, and I don't do anything else there for the most part, like an office kind of setup, rather than my bedroom and have a real camera so the quality is going to be better. Um, I'm just trying to make this as best as possible, and I think that's the next best thing I can do. I can do the Instagram, and then I can do that to make it more visually pleasing for everybody. Um, I also bought a new mic if you can see it in the corner right here. Um, so it should sound better than last time. Last time it was just off of the mic through the webcam I'm using. Uh, so it should be more focused or something like it should be better and sound more clear, less stuff going on in the background. So that's great. Um, with that being said, this is this is being recorded on Monday, April 18th, and it sh- it's going to come out on Thursday. So if there's anything that happens between now and Thursday and it's not on here, that is why um, it's actually my third time recording this, because first time didn't save for some reason. Second time, my roommate set off the fire alarm. Third time's a charm, right? So let's get into it. And let's start off with the RBC Heritage, which was won by one of my personal favorite golfers on tour, Jordan Spieth. Uh, That's the second straight week. Someone from the University of Texas slash Dallas area, my hometown, has won on the tour. Uh, Obviously, last week was Scotty Scheffler with the Masters. I got a new hat. I got a Masters hat just to wear on this podcast. Um, And Jordan won in dramatic fashion. He... Rose eight spots on in round four to be able to get the victory. He was actually the sixth from last group. So he was the clubhouse leader and had to wait for everyone to get in and then had a playoff on top of that after waiting for probably an hour, hour and a half, which is a long time to wait to then have to go right away and play. Um, he this is his 13th win ever on tour. He cracked. He's now 11th all time on the PGA tour money list. He finally is back in the world golf rankings, top 10, been a long time coming glad to see jordan back on the top very interesting stat from this too this is actually the second straight time that jordan has won on easter sunday last year was the uh, valero texas open and tbc san antonio and this year it was the rbc heritage at harbortown and i mean it's just kind of funny because if you look at the schedule for next year and what falls on easter sunday it is none other than the masters so Obviously, we're a year out from that, but something to think about, something little. But other Jordan, the interesting part about this round from Jordan was that he even said it himself post-round. He technically he basically played without a putter. He won without a putter because that's – his just his putting was not good. I mean on – and that's putting it lightly, to be honest. It used, So in, on a strokes gain just on Sunday, so just in round four, he only gained 0.397 strokes – on the putting surface and his average for the week for strokes gained putting was negative 0.636 so he actually overall on the tournament he lost strokes putting so literally imagine if he hadn't if he was able to putt and he was doing his normal numbers which are amazing because ever since he not when he came on tour but when he started winning and really came onto the tour scene in around 2014 2015 especially when he won the masters of the U.S. Open and uh, tour championship along with two other events sprinkled in there um he was known for his really good putting that was jordan's thing that's what everyone knew jordan for really i mean he would look at the hole sometimes and not the ball when he put this is what people really knew him for it was his putting was his short game and his putting really just hasn't been there like i said the stats don't lie he lost strokes putting on the week and the biggest show of it is if you look at um uh, his on 18th green on Saturday around three, he actually had a tap in that he missed and went all around a putt. Now we've all been there. If you play golf, you know, you we've all had those moments. Um, it's weird to see a tour pro do that. Cause you don't expect that from them. I mean, these are the best players in the world, but that really showed his putting was when he three putt for bogey and they're getting a bogey on 18 on Saturday. And if you look back, I mean, he, obviously he won this in a playoff in dramatic fashion. And we'll get into that in a second. But if you go back to that putt, and, and he basically lost – if you round up, he lost one stroke putting for the week. That really was the one stroke because if you if he makes that putt instead of it lipping around and doing the toilet bowl, he's not in the playoff, and he's in the winner's circle without having to play those extra hole, that one extra hole that he did against Patrick Cantlay. That is it. The tournament's over. But again, you know, he still was able to get the win. And if you really were watching on Sunday, I mean, there were – Let's see, tied for a 10th was 11 under, which is two, which was only two strokes back. And in between that, so just, we can just count off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There were eleven players with about five holes left. So Jordan Spieth finished. He was sixth to last group. Uh clubhouse leader at 13 under. And there were. 10 more players that were still in contention with three to anywhere between two to five holes left that were within one or two strokes. And that's why I just think it, in general, everything kind of went perfectly with everyone doing with what happened to everyone else, how everyone else played down the stretch at the end. It kind of, everything went right for Jordan to win, right? Cause I mean, you had uh Sepp Straka who was coming down on 18 at 13 under actually, because uh, he had birdied the par three seventeenth, so he all he had to do was par, and he's tied with Jordan Spieth. He's in this playoff, and he bogeyed the eighteenth to drop him down. And then you look at Shane Lowry, who also was at twelve under, one stroke back, or finished at one stroke back. He doubled the par three fourteenth, which kind of took him out of it. And then even uh, Van Ruin, who, by the way, if you watch golf, you know this guy has the best mustache on tour. That's going to be, this is what, yeah, first ever, first ever par 71 award goes to Eric Van Roon, Ruen. Roonin, Roonin, I'm going to look that up later. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm sorry if it's wrong. Um, I'll fix it if it is, or someone tell me and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll correct myself. Best mustache on tour uh, by far. Actually, when I was at the players a few weeks ago, uh, we were sitting on 17 at steep C Sawgrass. And he was coming up, and there's a little kid. This little kid must have been like, "Wow, like, look at that thing!" Like, and then he just goes, "The kid, huh? Can you grow on yet?" So he seems like a funny, cool guy. Par seventy one, best mustache on tour goes to Eric Van Roening. But he had a like he had a good tournament. He finished at eleven under, so two strokes back in the end. And his first five holes, he went birdie, 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 birdie. So four birdies back to back to back to back on two, three, four, and five. So he really had a chance. He then bogeyed seven and birdie nine. But the back nine just was not it for him. He bogeyed 10, 12, 15, and 16, which kind of took him out. Like Basically, what the theme I'm saying is it just seemed like the way everyone ended up playing down the stretch, the stars just aligned for Jordan to win. That's just what it seemed like. It was just like everything was going right to make it happen. And, I mean, you can do it with countless players. Like, let's look at Tommy Fleetwood's scorecard real quick. He had two bogeys early in the round on one and four. That ended up being the difference, and he finished at 11 under two strokes back. Uh, other than that, he had a good round. He had one, two, three, five birdies on the day, and those were his only two bogeys, which ended up being a huge difference because without those two bogeys, he's in the playoff with him and can'tley So, I mean, you really look, and now that we kind of went over all that, we can go into the playoff. The playoff one was only one hole. Cantley finished. Cantley was one of the last to finish, so he didn't have to wait very long. Um I think he might have been in the last group, actually. I can't really remember. But he so it was Jordan Spieth versus Cantley, which now after this tournament is a top ten world golf ranking matchup. It Cantley is let's see, I'm not really sure exactly what Cantley is at. Um let's look this up real quick. I think he's top five, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he's number four. So you had after this tournament, obviously, because they both moved up, but Cantley and Jordan Speith, right now that's a top ten world golf ranking matchup for a playoff. Normally we don't see that. Normally it's one big name or one like semi-big name that you've heard before, or maybe he's won before, versus someone who's young trying to get uh, trying to get their first tour win. But this one was just really a battle of heavyweights, which was thought it would be fun to watch, but ended pretty, pretty uh fast. As there was only one hole. Um Cantley didn't even finish out the hole because he just wasn't gonna par and tie Jordan. Um, but Jordan went into the bunker on Jordan went into the bunker on his approach shot, the greenside bunker, and he had one foot in, one foot out, and he just put it to like two. One or two feet, and it was just a tap in for the win. It was really a great shot. Jordan has a history of doing these heroics in a playoff. Um, I mean, just not even in a playoff, but like from a bunker, greenside bunker on 18. Just think about the Travelers Championship a few years ago when he held it to win, um, out of the 18 greenside bunker. He just has a knack for the dramatics and being able to come out under this pressure because he knows how to handle it. Cantley has won, he's been very good recently. He was also on the Ryder Cup team with Jordan, so he had a matchup of Ryder Cup teammates. And Cantley's not bad by any means, but I just think Jordan loves this pressure. He knows how to deal with it. He's been there so many times. I mean, he's won three majors. Uh, he'll be going for the PGA Championship here in a few weeks uh, to complete the career Grand Slam. It's He's used to this, right? Like, he should always be here. Um, we kind of He hasn't been in the winner's circle that much lately. Obviously, his last win, like I said earlier, was the Valero Texas Open last year not yeah last year not this year so it's good to see him back winning um especially after he missed the cut last week at the masters and that's one of his favorite weeks favorite tournaments and he even said something post round about it that he wasn't happy and that this really it felt good for him to finally be back at that spot and playing well after last week so hopefully he continues it into the PGA championship one thing i also want to talk about if i can find him here on the leaderboard let's see Ricky Fowler. So, Ricky Fowler, let's be honest, when was the last time you heard about him playing or playing well on tour? He hasn't. He's kind of fallen off. He didn't even qualify for the Masters this year. and So, we were all hoping he, he was playing today. Or um not today, this week, last weekend. And, man, I just – he's just not playing well. He finished at 8-under. He went 76-74 for a total of 150 and missed the cut. It. We all want to see Ricky do well. Um, something I said in my article uh, after round one was that his – if you really look, his short game and his irons, he's hitting around 50% both greens, at least this week he did, uh, both greens and fairways and regulation. So if he – even if your driver's not bad, because we've seen players on tour not really play well driving-wise. Scotty Shaffer last week did not drive the ball well, but his short game was just amazing to where he was able to run away with a green jacket. I think if Ricky can get a short game more down, Pat, so if he can get more up and downs, it will save a lot of these big rounds for him. He, I mean, 76, 74, for someone who was used to be, not even used to be like a year or two ago, was on the top of the list for every one of best players to not win a major. And now he's, he can't make a cut right now. And it's very disappointing to see. Again, I just think if the short game can do better, even even in his putting, there's no really short game stats here on PJ tour website or on their round stats, but he lost almost a stroke putting. He lost more strokes putting than Jordan did. And Jordan won. The difference between him and Jordan was that he couldn't hit the fairways of the greens. So if he can not even just hit the fairways, if he can just chip well and get those chips close to for tap-ins for par, he's there making the cut and he's back in contention with everything. So hopefully we get to see Ricky back soon. It, He's one of, I think he's one of the most personable and best players on tour to watch because everyone just loves Ricky, right? Everyone sees him. I mean, this is a guy who was in the first ever Olympics for US golf. We need him back. It'd be great for the tour if he can come back and start playing well, and we're all rooting for him. Ricky, if you're listening to this, uh, we're all rooting for you. I doubt you're listening to it, but if you are, if you are on the uh, off chance. And also last week I had mentioned Morgan Hoffman, who was coming back from having muscular dystrophy. Not coming back, you're always gonna have that, but he's trying to get back on tour while he can. Uh he just missed the cut, I believe. Yeah, he um he ended up ended at one under the cut line was even, so he was only one stroke off. Obviously, he hasn't played on tour since 2019, so you can't have high expectations here. And even if looking at his first round, he had three birdies on the front nine, one bogey, and then just two bogeys on the back. And then in his second round he went even on the front with a birdie and a bogey and then had a birdie and two bogeys on the back. So really the back nine is what killed him, but that's by no means bad for someone who hasn't played on tour since 2019. Like that's a, I mean, you and I can't walk on tour and shoot one over and show over two days. Like that's still, and a lot of tournaments, plus one will make the cut. So hopefully we get to see him soon. I believe, yeah. So before this, he had three tournaments left on like his medical exemption. So we should get to see him two more times and try to get his tour card back. Let's hope. It's a great story coming back and just trying to play while he can before, obviously, his disease takes over. So, again, hopefully we are we get to see him again soon. Other than that, I mean, that's all I have for the RBC Heritage. It's cool. Again, a lot of fun. You had 11 players in contention going down the stretch on Sunday. 11. That is not a number we see a lot. I mean, I hope that oh, we can get a major where we're seeing that many players in contention because – I mean, I would just be glued to the screen. I don't know if you're a golf fan. I know you will be, too. It, it's just more fun to watch when there's a lot more people. And plus, I mean, the names in the top of this leaderboard were pretty big names. You had Matt Kuchar, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Cantlay, Shane Lowry, Tommy Fleetwood, the best mustache on tour. Like, it, these aren't even – These aren't even, like, no names. These are good names. You even had Daniel Berger not far behind, Billy Horschel. Like, you had a lot of good names who were up there on this leaderboard this week, and it was a great week, and it ended up being a great ending with Jordan winning. Again, I think the stars just aligned, uh, and it was his time again. But, yeah, that's all I have for RBC Heritage, and next up, we are going to go to... Oh, yeah, the match. I forgot to say this earlier. Um, TNT announced that... Or Bleacher Report, TNT... Announced the new another version of the match. You know we've seen the Tiger Phil, uh, DeChambeau, Desham. Why can't I say Shambo Kepka? All those and the football players coming in. This is the first one that doesn't feature a golfer. Um, it is Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Uh, so it's basically the old guys versus the new bloods for quarterbacks uh, in the NFL. Um, I don't really have much to say about it. It's going to be June first at Win Las Vegas, and it. I mean, I don't know. Like, I I know Tom, I know Aaron Rodgers, is pretty decent at golf. Tom Brady's okay. I know Mahomes is actually pretty good, but I know nothing about Josh Allen golfing wise. I mean, we'll talk about it more as we get to it. But just big for the sport. It'll be fun to watch. Obviously, it always is. It's the entertainment factor. It's only a 12-hole match just like Bryson and uh, Brooks was a few months ago. Or not a few months ago. Like, man, are we coming up on a year on that? No, no. It was it was in the fall, I think, right? Um, but yeah, it, it's always fun. It's just weird that there's no tour players in it this time because I feel like that's the coolest part of it is you have the tour players playing with these other sports. Um, so it'll be interesting. If I were to make a pick right now, I would say Rodgers and Brady just because I've seen them golf before. I mean, Patrick Mahomes plays in the celebrity tournament in Tahoe every year. Um, and But it's like I don't know anything about Josh Allen, and I couldn't even find the format on it when I was reading on it. So we'll see. All I know is a 12-hole match. I don't know how they're doing it, if they're doing four ball or if they're doing a alternate shot or something like that. But I do think in general – my pick right now is Tom Brady, Rodgers – we'll talk about it more as it gets closer. Obviously it's in June. We still got over a month until that. So I'll give you my official pick when the time comes, but not, not, not right now. So but again, that's just cool to see the match is coming back again. It'll be a lot of money raised towards charity and a lot of entertainment for us. Um, maybe we'll see, get to see Charles Barkley chirping again. It's just a, overall, it's a fun thing. Uh, yeah. So the match June 1st, we're in Las Vegas, I believe on TNT, uh, not to promote that, but like that's to promote for TNT, but watch that. It's always fun to watch. Like it's two people who don't play golf. They'll probably make, it'll probably be like watching like your buddies play golf, except maybe a little better. Cause these are like pure athletes, like some of the best athletes in the world. So, I mean, it's always fun to watch. So now speaking of the match, let's get into former people who have played the match multiple times, Tiger Woods and Phil. So Tiger after the Masters to Sky Sports, he committed to playing in the British Open at St Andrews, um, which he's won there before. If you know anything about golf, you know that St Andrews is the oldest course ever. It is known as the first golf course in Scotland, or first golf course in the world, uh, located in Scotland. Uh, it's always a fun place to watch. It's just cool. It's a lot of scenic and famous holes on that course. Like you got the shared one and eighteen fairway, which is just huge. You got the road hole seventeen. You just got a lot, a lot of like iconic things going on with the St Andrews of town and the course. It's always cool, and it's the hundred fiftieth British Open again. Tiger has won there before, so it's going to be cool to see him come back. Um, other than that, they also Tiger also filed to officially play in the U.S. Open at Brookline. Along with him to do it was Phil Mickelson. Who Phil Mickelson. We have not seen play. He's been quiet ever since he made comments about the PGA tour versus the new live tour. And if you haven't heard of the live tour, you might've heard of a new Saudi backed league. That's what a lot of people were calling it before the name came out that the commissioner is Greg Norman, that he's trying to basically the rumors have been that they're throwing money at players to it's like a salary instead of winning as well. Like money. It's a whole thing. We'll get into that more in like the next two weeks. The Live Golf Tour, um, just as golf news gets slow right before the PJ Championship, it'll be pretty slow. And then PJ Championship will hit, and it'll be a lot of golf news, obviously, because that's the next major, and that's in May. So, in the next one week or two, we'll talk about that. But just for now, like, uh, Phil Mickelson basically went against PJ Tour, saying that the PJ Tour is a dictatorship after the PJ Tour said if anyone were to play on the Live Golf Tour, uh, they would ban them, which, like, we obviously don't know. We have a lot of stuff to play out in that. And there's n- still stuff we need to find out about that. But, again, we'll get we'll get into that. I need to do more research on that personally. We'll talk about that more in like a week or two. Again, just as golf news gets slow. But Phil, Mi- Phil Mickelson has filed to play in the U.S. Open. And it's the first time we're going to see him since playing and making those comments. We didn't see him in the players. We didn't see him in the Masters. So, hopefully, we get to see him again. And, hey, maybe he can uh, finally complete that career Grand Slam Uh, For those of you who don't know, Phil Mickelson literally has more second-place finishes in the U.S. Open than anybody else. And that is the only major he needs to complete the career Grand Slam. And he's just been trying so long that when you go into the U.S. Open, that is always a headline. Is that, can Phil win finally? Can finally Phil win? I mean, he has won. He did win the PGA Championship, so he is still capable of winning a major. But at the same time, if he doesn't do it this year, in the next few years... I don't think it's going to happen. He's just getting old and all these new younger players of the big wave on tour, the new technology, the working out and everything. It's just, he's running out of time, in my opinion. Now, I do think he showed he could do it by winning the PGA Championship, but he needs to show it again. Like, come, Let's get, it. I think everybody wants Phil to win the US Open and it would be great to see. It'd be great for golf, it'd be great for TV, but it's just something that's so hard now with, the age gap and everything. Again, I hope he does. But in reality, I I don't know. I don't know. I would love to see if it happened. I love Phil. I'm a huge Phil fan. I think he's funny. I think he's great for the sport. Uh, he's a great character. Great overall. But glad we're going to get to see him play again soon. Hopefully nothing happens. But again, right now, he maybe we can see him at the PGA Championship. Who knows? I mean, that's, a, that's at Southern Hills in a few months. And a little secret I might be... Might be going to that. Don't know yet, but I'm working on it because I'll be only four hours away in Dallas. So I might be going to the PGA Championship. I know I'm going to Byron Nelson the week before, but I might be on the PGA Championship too. We'll see. I'll keep you guys posted. Might, might make for some good content on the new Instagram at Par 71. Follow it. At uh, Par 71 podcast. Sorry. Follow it. Uh, yeah, but I might be going. So hopefully he gets play in that. Uh, we'll see. So. And that's oh, and Tiger did commit to playing one event the week before the British Open. Uh he committed to playing the JP McManus program the week before St. Andrews. Um, I gotta be honest, with you guys, I never heard of this tournament before. Uh, but there is a lot of names playing in it. You got Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, and is that Adair Manor, which is the host site of the 2027 Ryder Cup. Now, obviously, twenty twenty seven is a long ways away. That's five years from now. So who knows? I mean, these players could be playing, doing it for that, so they can say they've played it and like have a little bit of experience on it. But that's so far down the road that I don't think that's really what these players are worried about. Uh, I think they're more worried about getting a course that is styled the same way as St Andrews the week before the British Open, so they're ready for that. That's what a lot of players do: is they go, they'll go overseas. A week or two before the British Open, and either get to the British Open and just stay in practice there, or they'll play another tournament, a European Tour tournament, to get ready. Because a lot of the, a lot of courses that are used for the British Open are more link style courses, so it's a lot different the way you play it than a normal course in the U.S. that we're used to seeing. It's a lot more bump and runs, or a lot more rolling fairways to where the ball will roll out really easily. And then the weather is obviously completely different. I mean, we always, whenever they play the British Open, we always see them wearing uh, pullovers and jackets in July, which for us over here is like, why are you wearing a jacket in July? It's July, it's the summer Like, why, why would you need a jacket? But the climate is just completely different. So a lot of players like to go over and get started early and just get used to that. So they're not also, so they're not jet-lagged because obviously it's a long flight. A lot of them are coming from the U.S. Um, so it's... Overall, for the most part, it normally benefits them to go early, and that's just what this is doing. So, yeah, Tiger, we'll see him play. We have, as far as we know, for right now, we know he's going to play in three events the U.S. Open, the British Open, and uh, the JP McManus Pro Am. So, I don't, I haven't heard anything about, uh, I have not heard anything about the PGA. Maybe I missed it. Uh, if Someone has let me know. I've not seen anything about him playing the PGA at Southern Hills. He has played Southern Hills before. Has he won at Southern Hills? I think Tiger might have. I have a feeling Tiger might have won at Southern Hills the last time it was there. So obviously, so if you didn't know that the PGA championship got moved to May a few years ago, um, and it was basically, the reason why they did this was to, number one, they're building the PGA headquarters in my hometown. They're building PGA headquarters in Dallas area. And so, and they obviously have the PGA, new PGA America headquarters. They want to be able to play Ryder Cups and PGA championships there. And it's in Texas, and this is in Oklahoma. So basically, it would be too hot to play in August where it used to be. So now they moved to May. All these courses in the Southwest in Oklahoma, Texas are in their primes. And it's not that hot out yet. So that's why they moved it to May to open up for all these other courses. So now you get to see it come to Oklahoma, which you haven't seen in a long time. Uh, has Tiger won at Southern Hills? Tiger did win in 2007 the PGA Championship at Southern Hills. So there's that's two courses that Tiger has won majors on before that are in this lineup this year. I mean, honestly, I don't know. It's, I'm not sure if he's won at Brookline, uh, but you have at least three. So you got, you obviously he's one at Augusta. It's always, Masters always at Augusta. And then you have Southern Hills PJ Championship, which he has won at Southern Hills the PJ Championship before, and the Open at the British Open at St. Andrews, which he's also won at that course, the same tournament. So it seems like a great time for Tiger to come back and relive all these memories. And we get to watch. And obviously, Tiger, I've said it last week, Tiger coming back is great for the tour. It brings a lot of attention. And honestly, I think it takes pressure off a lot of other players because they don't get as much media attention as they normally would because it's all Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Which can get annoying to an extent, but at the same time, it's still Tiger Woods. He's one of the greats. He's one of the... I mean, it's like if Michael Jordan was still playing basketball today, it would all be attention on him. It's like LeBron. Like, it's all attention's always on LeBron, except when he missed the playoffs, but we won't get into that. Um, But it's just, it's so much better when these people are doing good because it brings more attention to the sport, right? So, like, Tiger being there... Tiger doesn't have to do good. All he has to do is play and make the cut. And he's the center of attention for the most part. Until it comes down to winning. If he doesn't win, that person will be the center of attention. But it'll always be Tiger is going to be a main story no matter what. And it's great for the sport of golf. I said it last week, and I'll always say it. So I'm fine with Tiger playing and taking away attention. And I think it eases pressure for other guys to go win. Tiger will always have a lot of pressure on him. These guys can get, a little, get to relax a little bit, get to be on their own more, I guess, And rather than having to talk to the media as much or getting as much attention as they do. So, yeah. That's it for Tiger and Phil. Obviously, it's good to see them playing players that are getting old, and I mean it's kind of like these, like Tom Brady's and Aaron Rodgers. how so we don't know how much time we have left with them, but it's cool to see them play uh, on the PGA Tour before they the to PGA Tour champions as they while they can. Um, so yeah. So before I did say we we're going to preview some college golf because we got conference championships this week, or yeah, some of them will start uh, before this actually uh, drops on Thursday. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to stay with the PGA Tour. And we are going to preview the Zurich Championship. Is it Zurich Championship? Zurich Classic in New Orleans at TPC Louisiana. Um, so it's if you don't know, it, this is a different kind of event. It's a team duos event, which is something we don't really see on tour. It is so like you get it's two. It's teams of two, and the format is it's alternating shot and four ball depending on the day. I wrote it down here in my notes. Uh, Yeah, so rounds one and three are four ball. And what a four ball means is that you're obviously in a foursome. And the two teams will take the best score out of the two in each hole. So say, so here's the best best team, by the way, on paper is Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland, the top five ranked group. Top five, like both are in the top five world ranking. Um, Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland. Say Colin gets a birdie and Hovland gets a par. On the scorecard for their team, you get the birdie. And then alternating shot, and it's alternating shot a little differently. It's, so the way the alternating shot works is that um, each player gets assigned on the teams, gets assigned an even or odd hole number. So, like, again, we'll use Kyle Morikawa and Victor Hovland an example. Kyle Morikawa tees off one. He has he has odd number holes. He tees off odd number of holes for the rest of the round. Victor Hovland gets even numbers. So say on hole one, Colin tees off and Victor Hovland makes the last putt for birdie whatever like whatever you want to call it birdie party Hovland makes the next makes the last putt makes the putt he would still tee off even though it's alternating shot he would still tee off number 2 Hovland because it's by the whole number if it's even or odd so it would be Hovland then tees off even though he just hit the putt so that's a, it's alternating shot but it's a little different like that um if that makes sense Uh yeah but so just looking at the field we do have some really some good teams. Obviously, I already mentioned it. The best team on paper is Morikawa and Victor Hovland. But now we also have the defending champions are back. Cameron Smith, who's been playing well, missed the cut last week, and Mark Leishman, both Aussies. So call it Team Aussie. If I say Team Aussie, I'm talking about Leishman and Cameron Smith. And then you have Sergio Garcia and Tommy Fleetwood. That's a great. That's a great team as well. Yeah, Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantley, another one. Bubba Watson, Bubba Watson the third. It says on here. I did not. I've never seen that by his name. I did not know he was the third. That's interesting. Oh, it's Bubba Watson the third with Harold Varner the third. Yeah. well, I, I, I guess team thirds. Uh, you got team thirds. That's a good team. Varner has actually been playing very well recently. Uh, he played well at the Players. He played well at the Masters. Uh, and then he was actually leading the RBC Heritage at the end of round three. So he's been playing really well. If I were to say there's, that's like a, if I were to give a team that's probably not going to be looked at too much as like a chance to win, but I think has a fairly good chance to win, I would say Bubba Watson and Harold uh, Varner third. I mean, Bubba's always, Bubba's Bubba. We all know Bubba. We all love Bubba. And he's fun to watch play. There's not much else to say than that. Um, those are your pretty, those are mainly your big. Your big teams. I'm looking down the list here to see if I see anything else. Oh, how I figured that. Scotty Scheffler is making his uh, first start since winning the green jacket in New Orleans as well. He will be playing with... Where'd he go? Where'd his name go? Oh, here it goes. He'll be playing with Ryan Palmer. I don't know. Ryan Palmer isn't... He's a name on tour. Everyone knows, but it's not like not that good scotty scheffler if he gets a lot of the short game shots and the alternating shot this could go they could also have a chance of winning but again it's so hard to predict these or like give picks or anything like that in golf in general but especially these team events because you just don't get to see the only time we really see players playing team events like this is the Ryder cup and the president's cup so it's hard to like tell how well they're going to play unless it's like like a match play you can look up their records from when they played Ryder Cups, from when they played in the Dell match play before. Like Kevin Kisner is one of the best match play players on tour. And that's easy to tell that he's going to go far in match play every year because he just loves it. And he plays as well. But these guys, it's hard just because like you don't know how these players play together. It's kind of new. It's just a format we don't see. And a lot of people just aren't used to it. Here's another one I just found. It's a good pair. It's Max Homa and Taylor Gooch. Homa made the cut. (laughs) That doesn't sound great, but he made the cut for the first time with the masters this week or last week so he's he's on a high and he also if you guys didn't see this it's this actually really funny on a on twitter i was looking max homer loves to respond to people and um he venmo someone 50 bucks i think and then someone tweeted and goes uh, max Homa, venmo'd be 50 bucks if you tweet at him he'll send you 50 bucks too max homer goes max homer goes uh this is not going to end well for me and someone sent an address and said please send a pizza so what Max Homer did is he wrote in the address and he just sent him a, vlog, a picture of a pizza and said, like, I'll get you next time I'm in town. So Max Homer's a great guy. If you can watch any videos or find any videos of him, I believe he's done a lot of stuff with Barstool. He's just really funny and really fun. Good guy to watch. I really recommend you watch anything you can, any interviews. It's just great entertainment. Fun. He's just a fun, cool guy. And Taylor Gooch has been playing very well this season. He got victory earlier this year. Uh, he's played well as he's been playing well. If you haven't been able to tell, people the same guys play well all season. I mean, you've got this year; it's really been dominated by Scotty Scheffler and, uh, sorry, Siri keeps going off on my laptop. Don't know why. Um, Scotty Scheffler and Cameron Smith have really dominated this year. It's been very clear that at the top of a bunch of leaderboards almost every week. Scotty Scheffler's won what four out of his last six events, something like that. And, which is a run we have not seen before. Again, I said it last week, but Scotty Scheffler, I love Sky Scheffler until right now. And, but in general, it's the same players dominating all season. Taylor Gooch has been one of those. He only has one win on season, but he is always up there, right? Like we've, we've been getting used to seeing his name up in the leaderboards like Sam Burns and all that kind of stuff. Like we've been getting used to seeing these guys, whether or not they've won a lot. We see them at the top every week and we're getting used to watching them play. They're starting to become household names. They're starting to become known all they need is that one good performance in a major, maybe whether or not they win or not, it's where they're in the final group or something like that. And their household name, right? So that's what we're starting to see that a lot. Instead of the, instead of the normal big names that we see, like Spieth, even though he won this week or all that kind of Rory and all that, like we're starting to see a bunch of new little names, but they're kind of making good names for themselves. Like they're doing well this year. Very well. Um, And then lastly, the last group I'll point out here that I found is Shane Lowry and Ian Poulter, Shane Lowry is – I was talking to my roommate or my, my friends about this when I was watching the Masters last week was that Shane Lowry is someone we always see in the highlight reel, right? Like think about uh, TBC Sawgrass 17 when he made the hole in one a few weeks ago. You have He chipped in on 10 at the Masters on a shot that looked like a chunk but was just like perfect. Um, so you don't like – he's always in the highlight reel. He had the best chance of winning this last week at the RBC Heritage and so that double bogey. But it just, in general, he's always there. Just never really finds a way to win. And I like him. Like, he's, everyone loves him. He's cool. He's fun. And, man, I hope Poulter, I feel like that's a good match too, Ian Poulter. Ian Poulter can be kind of a hothead, but he's a fun guy. Also, makes a lot of good content, like online and all that kind of stuff, TikToks and everything. So he's cool. Like that's a fun group to watch uh, if you get the chance to. That's, but again, right now, I would say like, it's hard to predict. I really do like this Bubba Watson and Harold Varner group. I like that. I would say watch them. If you're going to watch people. watch Bubba and Harold, Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland, Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman, Scotty Scheffler, obviously, because he's the his first one after the Masters, and he just can't stop winning. We'll see if that stays true right now or if his teammate holds him back. Who knows? He could hold his teammate back. Let's see. Um, he, had, he did have a week off, so let's hope that. That's in his favor, um, yeah. I mean, those would be the people I would watch your look out for this weekend. Again, Max Homa, oh Sergio and Tommy Fleetwood as well. Those are my top groups that I would say have the best chance of winning. But again, it's hard to predict these little tournaments because it's all, again, different format, different format. Someone could rise up out of nowhere. Like at this point, people knew who Cameron Smith was last year, but he wasn't really, he wasn't as good as he is right now, making headlines and being everywhere. And now he's like a brand name. He's marquee group in this tournament after he won the players. So it's just a again. These are really hard to predict. But hey, there you go. There's your preview for the for huh, the Zurich Classic in New Orleans. Different format, so it should be fun to watch. Um, yeah. So lastly, the last thing I wanted to go over was college golf. So college golf is something that. We don't get to see a lot on TV. It doesn't make the money that other college sports do, obviously. And it's just the only time we really see it on TV is for the national championship, uh, which is fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. You get to see a lot of players who are about to be huge on tour, uh, like Bryson DeChambeau, who won the NCAA championship individually. We've seen Victor Hovland's been in one with Oklahoma State. Uh, Matthew Wolf has won with Oklahoma State. Um, and we all got this. The first time we really saw them on TV on Golf Channel was – when the national championship happened, right, or when the USAM happens, like this is the only time we get to see these young college players. But no one really talks about them too much, right? The only the only you talked about they're on the top. But what I want to look at is this upcoming week. You got a lot of conference championship tournaments happening. Um, some of them, when this podcast drops, will have started already. Uh, here, I'll give you the dates. You got the SEC on April April. Eh, nah, sorry. You got the SEC tournament on April nineteenth to twenty fourth. ACC on April twenty second to the twenty fifth. Pac-12 on April 25th 27th, Big 12 on 25th, 27th as well, and the Big Ten from April 29th to May 1st. Um, so when I was looking at the rankings of the top 25 golf teams ranked and to give you guys like which is the best one, if you get if you can watch it, if it's on TV somewhere, if it's available to you, whether it's on golf channel, SEC Network, ESPN, ESPN Plus, whatever, wherever it is, if you guys want to watch it, the best ones and the best two to watch will definitely be. The Big Twelve, the SEC, and the ACC right after that. So the Big Twelve actually doesn't have the most top twenty-five teams. Um, The Big Twelve has four top twenty-five teams, but all but all their four are in the top ten. SEC has ten top ten or top twenty-five teams. ACC has six. Uh, Pac-12 has three. Two of those three are in the top six for the Pac-12, and Big Ten only has one and one Power Five non-Power Five school. Pepperdine is the only non-Power Five. In the 20, top 25 here, I'll read off the top 25 to you guys in order. It goes Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Vanderbilt, Arizona State, North Carolina, Washington, Texas Tech, Pepperdine, Texas, Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Notre Dame, Stanford, Auburn, Florida, Wake Forest, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Illinois, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Clemson, FSU, and LSU. Um, but again, so even though the Big Twelve only has four top twenty-five teams, I think it's the best one to watch because you got the best, literally like the best teams here. OU and Oklahoma State, one and two. Both Big Twelve. And then you got Texas Tech at seven and Texas at nine. It it's a jam-packed tournament of those four teams are gonna be fun to watch go head to head at. And and if you don't know how tournaments, golf tournaments work, and like in these Format so with the conference tournaments and the NCAA does this too. I'm not sure if each conference tournament does this, but I know some a lot of them do. It goes so you have your in, you have the rounds that you play in normal stroke play tournament. That's where you get your individual uh, your individual champion from, and then after that you take the top teams from that and they play a match play tournament, which is really fun to watch because you get to see teams go to head to head to head. And the national championship it's like a whole bracket thing, and so it's fun to watch. Right, really fun to watch once it gets to that point. And the way the stroke play is scored is that each team has five players and the highest score of each round of the team gets dropped. So you only count the top four scores, right? So, yeah, that's how it gets decided. But really, after looking through everything and then looking through, like, the top players in the country ranked, um, and college golf right now runs through the state of Oklahoma, and it's not even close. You got, obviously, again, OU and Oklahoma State are one and two. They have both won national championships fairly recently, recent years. Um, Let me see. When was Oklahoma State's last golf national championship? Let's see. And I know they did win at their home course. So the last Oklahoma State's last national championship was in 2018 for golf and for OU. And OU is 2017. So these have been the two powerhouses in golf right now for a while. Oklahoma State even prides themselves on calling themselves a golf school. I mean, right now you got, I mean, you got Ricky Fowler, who's historically been good. Obviously, we went over how he's going through some bumps in the road right now earlier in the podcast. But you have Ricky Fowler, Victor Hovland, who's top five in the world right now, Matthew Wolf, who hasn't been playing well, but he can get there. He's one of the better players on tour that we that is known about. But Oklahoma State runs deep golf-wise. They won 11 national championships for golf. 11. Like, they, they call themselves a golf school. They're known for this. Like, that that's their thing, is golf. Not a lot of schools can say that. And OU, obviously, has been good as well. Their last championship was 2017. It's not that long ago. It Right now, I mean, it's just like, think about a few years ago when both Auburn and Alabama were at their primes. And, well, Alabama's still at their prime, obviously, in football. But, whatever. I mean, like, a few years ago when it used to be the winner of that game of the Iron Bowl would always they're being the natty or win the SEC whatever that's what OU Oklahoma State is like right now like it's college golf runs through runs through that runs through the state of oklahoma it's not even close and they have out of the top 25 players in the country Oklahoma State is tied for second most with two they're tied with A&M Oklahoma State OU and Texas so that's all the people have two and Vandy, Vanderbilt is, is first with three but if you look at the actual names and stuff like that, so you got number two. The number two best player in the country is an Oklahoma State Cowboy. Uh, it's Eugene Lopez Shakara. Not sure how to pronounce that again. Sorry if I'm wrong. I'll correct myself afterwards. If someone tells me, I'll look it up. I'll, I'll make sure. I'll make sure. We're good. But he he has a scoring average of the second lowest scoring average right now. or Not second. But one of the lowest scoring averages right now uh, with 69.54. Uh, his record against top 25 players is 21 and one and against 26 to 50 ranked players is 22 and out like this kid's been dominating all year, all year. And the top, the highest player for OU is Logan McAllister. Nope. Sorry. That's second highest player for OU is Logan McAllister at 11. Um, the highest player for at OU is senior Chris Gutterup, uh, whose scoring average is 70.1 right now, 13 and five record against other top 25 players and 16 and one against 26 to 50 ranked. Like these kids have been dominating, and I looked at it before. OU has not finished outside the top four in any tournament as a team this year. Again, just dominating. Top four. They mainly they're in first and second every single time they play. And for Oklahoma State, they have one where they finished seventh out of fifteen, which was by far their worst performance. But the rest on that tournament, but for the rest of the tournaments, they've also just been like OU and they've least the top four and everything. Like they these two teams have been absolutely dominating this year against good competition. And I mean, they are going to contend for the national championship. Imagine if that final match play for the national championship was Bedlam, OU Oklahoma State. That's wild. That'll be on TV. That'll be off on golf channel. That's great. Like we want to see this rivalry, right? Like this is cool. This is great. OU Oklahoma State. Again, Bedlam. At college golf right now runs through the state of Oklahoma. It's not even close. It really isn't. The only one that can come close to them, and it's the next two ranked teams, I believe, right? Um, It's Arizona State. Yeah, Arizona State and Vanderbilt. Now, the top player in the country right now is Sam Bennett, senior out of Texas A&M. And Texas A&M is ranked where they go. Texas A&M is ranked 19th, but they have the top player. Again, that's another reason why SEC is second. The only reason why I have Big 12 tournament as the top to watch is because it's all their top 25 teams in the top 10. Like, it's just amazing. It's great. But other than that, again, Big 12, save Oklahoma. Now, something I do find interesting is I was looking at the NCAA championship tournament this year, and the championship tournament is in Scottsdale. Now, I don't know if this is Arizona State's home course because they're in Tempe. And they probably have their own course, but they—I'm sure they've played at this course before, because I mean it's right in their backyard. We've seen it happen a lot. Like when Oklahoma State won their national championship, it was on their home course, their last one. So it's been a trend to where Oklahoma or like not Oklahoma State, sorry, uh, that teams win at their home courses, obviously because they know it the best. So I'm not saying that I am predicting Arizona State right now. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm a little bit, but. After OU and Oklahoma State, I think Arizona State has a great chance to win the Natty this year just because it's in their backyard. That's a huge advantage in golf. Huge. I mean, if you're going there and you can practice there all the time, it's right in your backyard, you have a huge advantage. You know all the breaks. You know everything to where most of these teams will be coming in. This is the first time they would have played this course. Maybe second if they had like a preview tournament. Like, it's just not the same. So, again, so right now I'm not saying my pick is Arizona State but I'm saying I think they have a pretty good chance. This was all about Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, but all I'm saying is Arizona State, keep an eye on them. They are ranked number four, but keep an eye on them for the rest of the year. So that is all I have for you guys today. Again, jam-packed episode between Tiger, the match, RBC Heritage, the Zerk Classic, we put in, and college golf, and college golf. Can't forget about college golf. We packed everything we could into this episode today. Uh, thank you to everyone who helps me make this. Thank you to the audio engineers. Thank you to the video editors. Again, if you're listening on Spotify, go check it out on YouTube on Tunnel Vision Sports, YouTube page, on YouTube channel. Uh, if you're listening, watching on YouTube, listen again on Spotify when you're driving, uh, whatever. Uh, and also, again, follow the at Par 71 podcast on Instagram. DM me your questions, and I would love to answer them. I want this last part to be you guys. I want some fan fan engagement. If I get enough questions, I'll even do a whole episode on when golf news gets slow i'll even do a whole episode of questions so just i will answer your questions if you ask dm at par 71 podcast on instagram yeah that's all i have for you guys today thank you guys for listening Uh, i hope it was a lot better than last time Uh, again send me your questions please send me your questions and follow par 71 podcast once again this has been par 71 with matt lacerra presented by tunnel vision sports see you guys next week